Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legvold. Joining me today on Beneath the Wing is Technical Sergeant Elias Straw. Elias works in a shop called GAC, which doesn't sound appetizing, but I guess it's pretty cool work to do here in our maintenance group. He's a self-described gamer nerd, works with us here full-time, just recently hired full-time, and just got back from a week-long encampment for the Civil Air Patrol. Welcome, Elias. Thank you, Chief. All right, we're going to get into the nerdy stuff, but first let's start with the unappetizing thing. Can you explain what is a GAC? GAC, GAC is, stands for Guidance and Control. Um, so it's a uh, we, you know, it's in the maintenance group, working on the C-130s, um, and it's part of the avionics shops. So we have guidance and control and uh, ComNav, or communication navigation systems, um, as well as the ECM systems. What's an ECM? Uh, electronic countermeasures, so okay. flares um, and some of the other systems on the plane as well. Okay. But guidance and control, what we work on has to do with all of like the indicators that you see at the front of the plane, all those gauges, and all the parts that transmit to those, provide the information to those gauges, and that's a big part of what we do. All right. So, so it's like sensors talking to the dashboard of your car. Yeah, basically. And um, so it, we interact with every part of the plane, engines. Uh, we're in the part of the hydraulic shop. We reach out to all the flight surfaces, so your flaps, your elevators, all of that. We also um, work heavily with the flight director system, which is, you know, kind of where you input your waypoints wherever you want to go, and then flight director tells the plane, uh, where to go, what your bearings is are and stuff, and um, and when you couple that with autopilot, you know, it flies itself. So, almost flies. All, yeah, almost. All we need is yeah. people that know how to land it and yeah. take off, right? Yep. yep. Give or take, right? It sounds like interesting work. Is that the job that you chose when you came into the Air Force? Uh, I initially joined uh, in the ComNav shop, so, um, you know, and that was about seven years ago now, six, six and a half, seven years ago. Uh, so that's where I enlisted. And then I spent about five years in ComNav before I got a full-time position out on the base here and switched over to GAC. Okay. So you're on your second job out here. Yep. Second job, second enlistment. All right. And both are working in maintenance, both work on the planes, both are kind of electronic in nature. Am I right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, but you had to literally go to a whole new tech school, didn't you? No. So that's the nice thing about avionics is that uh, the first half of our tech school for GAC and ComNav is the same. So then the only thing that changes is kind of some ComNav-specific systems and some GAC-specific systems. But the theory for all of our systems are the same, just electronics, uh, how to do wiring, um, soldering, all of that, how to troubleshoot, and some theory. So the only thing that changes is theory of operation of some of the systems. Otherwise, the maintenance side of things is all going to be pretty much the same. So um, we were able to kind of waive the process to swap from ComNav to GAC Okay. Um, as far as the tech school goes. Is there a lot of troubleshooting and problem solving that goes into this, or is it pretty much you automatically know what's going on if something's broken? Well, the, more, the longer you're in the job, 
So for myself, I, you know, I've been here for a few years, so I've gotten a lot better at kind of knowing and the diagnosis for things right away, but there's still a lot of troubleshooting. So that's kind of what makes the job so interesting is that you may have, you could have a completely new problem that you haven't seen in, you know, for me, seven years, for some of my coworkers, 20 years, we'll still see new problems that we haven't seen before, especially as their planes age. And so you know, we generally have an idea of what systems, that's where the theory of operation, understanding our systems comes into play, because the more we understand, the easier it will be to you know, pick the box that's going to fix it. But um, if you don't know anything, the troubleshooting new problems gets to be really difficult. So that's what's fun about it. It's like a big puzzle. Yeah. And um, as you see new problems, it's like, okay, you know, I think it might be this box, but really we don't, we haven't explored this yet. So, you know, it could still be a wire, or, you know, and then you, sometimes you, you have to learn throughout the process. So it's fun. Sure. When you joined, you joined us straight out of high school, yep. uh, right out of Bemidji Go Lumberjacks, right? Yep. Um, right out of high school. And, you know, you kind of came into this, I'm going to, I'm going to call it a nerdy career field for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, what are the characteristics? What would you suggest if somebody's interested in a job like that? What really kind of what kind of person does it take to do that really highly specialized electronic kind of career field? Yeah, I think someone who's kind of driven to solve problems, someone who likes to solve you know problems that are a little bit maybe not so face value as far as like you know. Uh, one shape fits into the other, but it's it's uh, you, you have to look at a you know puzzle piece, and you have to be able to. You may not even know what puzzles you're working with, so you have to be able to be willing to research what you're working on. And so, someone who's kind of interested in in learning, solving a lot of problems, technical problems, um, and I think a lot of that comes from you know maybe being uh, self-driven a little bit too. Um, but I think to be the most successful, just you kind of have to just be a person who likes to solve problems. Um, and has fun maybe doing puzzles or sure. you know, whatnot. Sure. Um, one of the puzzles that you kind of had to solve coming right out of high school, you joined us, um, but then you got back from tech school and you started college right away at the North Dakota State University, right? Yep, yep. Um, what was that like balancing college and, and a new military career for you? Well, uh, for me, it wasn't so bad. I... Uh, kind of was able to personally, honestly, the, the hardest part was traveling from North Dakota to base every, you know, once a month, uh, especially since I'm a generally tired person, so that after Sunday dr drive home was always a, a struggle. But um, I think, you know, for working out here, just having the dates ahead of time just makes makes for me, it was really easy to, to juggle. Um, and the teachers I worked with were pretty um understanding of whenever I had to go on trips or the exercises we had to do, uh, stuff like that. So I never, you know, had too much trouble with it. I will say I did do a semester before I left for tech school at St. Thomas. All right. So I love that place, but I didn't get any of the benefits because I hadn't been to basic yet. Oh. So, uh, yeah, the guard's great for paying for your school uh, after you've gone to basic. Understand. And yes. a very excellent point, too, yeah. right? So started out at St. Thomas Land, but you majored in math and statistics, right? Correct. Yeah. How do, how does that major help you in the job that you're doing right now with us? Because you're a full time worker with us, yep. um, full time technician military, which is awesome, and it's a, there are a lot of great perks that go along with that. Can you talk about how you use your major in your current career? Yeah. So, I think 
what draws me to math um, and then statistics as well is just you know getting those new new problems. Um, so in in college, mathematics degree has a lot of proofs. If you're familiar with those, so that's when you you basically it's less uh, numbers and more writing paragraphs and explaining why you know trying to get to the solution of something um, and proving it so someone else can you know without a doubt say that's logically occurs right. So I think the idea of um, the problem solving that goes into proof writing and, and mathematics and as well as the logic side of things um, makes uh, kind of problem solving out on the plane kind of goes hand in hand, right? And, and electricity, you know, as, as much as I like to think of it as magic and made up, it's still pretty logical. There are, there are certain things that have to happen, you know, from, you know, point A to point B. You've got your grounds, all of that. So it will work in a certain way. So then that's kind of... You know, if you're missing a piece of that, you can kind of work backwards from that. Sure. And that's um, a big part of mathematics is working backwards as well from yeah. the solution. So. Well, let's, let's work a little bit backwards. In fact, let's start at the beginning then shift yeah. gears just a little bit. How exactly did you come to find us? Because Bemidji is, they're a pretty military-friendly community, but they're pretty far away from the Air National Guard and the Air Force. So how did you come to join the Air Force and the Air National Guard? Yeah, that's a good question. I knew I wanted to join the military in some capacity for a long time, so that was always going to be a goal of mine. Whether or not I was going to be active duty, officer type or something, try to do that through college. But I, uh, one of my best friends from Bemidji, how he discovered the Air National Guard, I have no idea. But he's a few years older than me, so he had joined the medical group. Um, and uh, then he, after talking to me for a, you know, a year, he just was convinced me to roll up with him one weekend and check out the recruiting officer. So Sergeant Ringwelski uh, was my recruiter. And uh, after that, that's kind of how I got pulled into it was, uh, you know, my friend pulled me into it. And, and then I just stuck with it. And so far, it's been great. Yeah. You mentioned that you always wanted to be in the military. When do you think that really started for you? Probably when I was really young. Um, my dad was in the Marine Corps for, uh, you know, an enlistment or two. And so, um, and I've always looked up to him. So, um, I was originally going to join the Marines for like two years back when I was 10. And then I quickly started to shift away from that. So, mm. yeah, I didn't want to do all of the push-ups and running, just a little bit of the push-ups and running. And that is what the Air Force is good at, just yeah. doing a little bit of the pushing and running. Push and running. And the hotels. Yeah, so. That is a perk, isn't yep. it? We do try to take good care of folks. One of the things that I've learned about you, Elias, is that you have been and continue to be really active and engaged with the Civil Air Patrol. And the Civil Air Patrol is this organization that, having been in the military for over 30 years, I didn't really know a whole lot about. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Civil Air Patrol is, how you're involved with it, and why it's a great organization to be a part of? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, kind of like how the Air National Guard is one of the best kept secrets for adults. I think Civil Air Patrol is the same thing for uh, kids of between the ages of 12 and 21. It's a great organization that's actually a part of the total force. So it gets a lot of its funding, uh, all of its funding you know, through the Air Force. Um, it gets allocated airplanes to be used and stuff um, and other equipment. So you know, I got involved when I was 12. And um, I've been helping ever since, so reaching you know 13 years now. Um, it's a great program to get kids involved in aviation while wearing a military-like uniform. So that we're right now we're wearing ABUs. So to kind of get them in that mindset. I miss the ABUs so much, don't you? Yeah, no, uh, not quite. <laughs> um, I am so sad every time I'm wearing those, thinking about my OCPs. So, um, and then so it's got a 
multiple components to it, missions, I should say. So it's got an aerospace education mission, a cadet programs mission, and an emergency services mission. So uh, aerospace education, this again will mostly apply to trying to get the youth involved in um, flying planes, get them exposed to drones or, or the cyber side of things. Uh, there are opportunities for kids to get their private pilot's license through this program. Um, but the cadet program is really where you get the cadets and you, you kind of raise the, one of the mottos is like raising tomorrow's leaders, um, you know, out of our youth. So um, that's kind of the part that I mostly help out with because I feel like it's really helped me in my career, definitely prepared me for basic training. And then um, seeing these kids kind of grow from people who, like most um, teenagers or young adults struggle to talk in front of a few people mm -hmm. and then they're kind of giving they're giving briefings to hundreds of people in the wing yeah and the minnesota wing for civil air patrol and then emergency services is learning survival skills learning how to do track down um you know lost planes or other missing persons so we will help with real world missions in that sense as they come up and we're requested to in minnesota or around the country helped with the floodings um, you know, down or up in the Red River or other natural disasters across the country. So that's kind of where that mission comes in. So where there's the cadet programs, we have you know, a need for adults to help out with all of these. So if you're a pilot, you can fly planes for free with the Civil Air Patrol, you know, teaching cadets how to fly. So mm -hmm. that's an excellent program. You can be a part of the emergency services, search and rescues, and, and practicing how um, you know, how to operate ground crews, uh, ground teams in communication with planes. Um, so there's a lot of really cool op opportunities in it for both kids and adults alike. Yeah. And getting, it really is a great leadership development program for, for youth. And you said that it's for 12 to 21 year olds, but yep. you're older than 21 now. Yep. And you've been engaged with them though since you were the age of 12. What's, what's a role for an adult that's interested in working with that organization? Yeah. So... I've, you know, changed over to the senior member role um, is what it's called. And so for the last four years, what I've mostly been helping out with are wing-wide activities, um, which include like encampment, which is like our summer boot camp, um, and then some other leadership activities or helping out with cadet competitions. Um, and that's what I choose to be involved with because um, timing is a thing for all volunteers. Um, if you, other roles that we have, so there's squadrons in every couple of cities. So there's probably five or six squadrons surrounding just the Twin Cities alone that you can go to and they have weekly meetings and they have events. Um, so you can be a part of running those meetings, mentoring cadets, or like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, flying the planes um, and helping kind of fulfill the aerospace and emergency services mission, um, as well as helping out, like, like I said, in the activities, if you want to just help out with the kids. Uh, so there's a few different roles in there. Um, and if you're someone who wants to help out but doesn't maybe want to commit to all those activities, there's plenty of options to help out. You know, we need contract writers. You need people to just kind of help secure fundraising. Sometimes we just, you know, need to have an extra senior member there who is willing to help supervise kids every for every other activity, you know. So you can do as little or as much as you want uh, because there's – it's a volunteer service program. Sure, sure. And it, there are weekly meetings with us depending on your location, right? Yep. Awesome. Um, when it comes to working with Civil Air Patrol, what do you consider to be the most rewarding thing for you? I think for me, uh, it's been 
uh, seeing some, especially now that I'm finally like, you know, I'm getting to be a part of the mentorship and, and really uh, kind of step back role. I've seen a lot of kids 15 years old who, you know, you can kind of see them try to be in charge at a weekly meeting of making sure they get their call downs to their fellow students or fellow cadets, you know, done before the next week meeting, which is like, might just be calling them like, hey, uniform of the day is going to be ABUs next week, PTs, you know, whatever. And then three years later, they're running an encampment, which is, you know, again, the boot camp for us up at Camp Ripley. We hold it every year. Um, and they are in charge of over 200 cadets and the training for them for a week and fulfilling a schedule that is made um, that they help work on and help build. Um, and then so they're not only are they fulfilling that and ensured, you know, we put um, the responsibility on them to ensure that their staff are trained and that the students training gets fulfilled. Uh, but the whole time, you know, they're talking to other dignitaries who come by. And, and so they're really representing Civil Air Patrol in such a, you know, uh, high light that um, I think it's just really cool and excellent to see that change. Uh, I, I had the opportunity, and thanks again for the invite to go up and uh, talk with some of the cadets at their encampment. What a great program just to see this growth and development of young men and women working together, learning how to be good leaders, but going through this kind of transformation over the course of a week. It was absolutely amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things, too, in Solar Patrol, we harp on, uh, so no one's getting paid. So there's, uh, you need a little bit more of a, you know, of a, of a relationship with everyone you're working with, right? You need that leadership, the uh, art and science of, you know, getting people to do, or getting people to, like, want to do, um, you know, what, the things that you assign for them. That is so much more true when no one's even getting paid yeah. because you need them to be on board and buy in to everything. So we talk about like servant leadership and getting them, you know, people to respect you because you, they know you're there for them, not for yourself. So, and we're teaching that to, um, 12 year olds, like I said, you know, they're learning just how to not be an individual anymore, but 15 year olds, that's when we really start teaching them like, Hey, you, you know, you gotta eat last. You know, and you have to want to eat last. You have to want to see everyone be, you know, treated properly uh, before you get, you know, to eat or, you know, make sure they're taken care of, right? So those are basic concepts we are teaching 15-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and they're fulfilling them better than, you know, a lot of people maybe in uh, the public might um, because they probably never even heard of the term. It's impressive to see that, that young men and women still want to become leaders who lead through influence and relationship rather than what they would originally think of as, I'm going to lead through this position of power. Yep. And just to see that in those young men and women over the course of that week, at, at the end of the week when I had the opportunity to come up and spend time, absolutely fantastic. So great place to send some uh, young men and women who are interested in becoming leaders. Absolutely. If anyone's interested, uh, you can definitely come find me in the maintenance group and we can chat about, you know, squadrons and opportunities. Elias Straw puts in his own commercial right at the uh, beginning of our commercial break. We're going to take a brief moment. I've been talking with Tech Sergeant Elias Straw from our maintenance group. Uh, we're going to take a brief break and hear from one of our recruiters, and then we will be right back. Hey, this is Sergeant Jesse Todd with the 133rd Recruiting Office here. This message goes out to all those in Civil Air Patrol. Um, speaking of the subject, don't know if you guys know, but if you are awarded a Billy Mitchell, Amelia Earnhardt, or a 
Carl Spatz Award, you can actually enlist at a higher rank when you join, the rank of E3, which will set you up for promotions quicker, which gets you paid a little bit more. Um, you guys will actually come in a little bit ahead of the game versus those that, that have not. So coming in, there's all kinds of job selections from mechanics to engineering to civil engineering to IT to cyber, a huge selection of medical um, jobs, AFSCs that are available. So you guys have a huge knowledge and heads up versus your peers coming in. So you are the ideal candidate for the Air Guard. Please call me 612-505-6799 for more information and details on jobs that currently have up to a $15,000 sign-on bonus. Not to mention, every job has at least a $5,000 sign-on bonus until the end of October. So please give me a call, 612-505-6799 for more details. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Sergeant Todd, and uh, I hope people take to heart uh, his good message during our commercial break. I'm visiting with Tech Sergeant Elias Straw from our maintenance group. He works in the GAC shop, which now sounds appetizing to me. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Okay. <laughs> um, Elias, you're getting ready to deploy this fall, and you're going to go off and uh, do the Air Force's work in a deployed location. Um, What's the biggest challenge in getting ready to leave? Well, I'm married, so I think just kind of us getting everything ready for the fall months. You know, hoping you know it's not too snowy before I come back, but just making sure everything's kind of lined up. We have any plans? You know, letting any friends know, like, hey, Cleo, uh, my wife Cleo might reach out and want to, you know. So just kind of getting all that set up is kind of the biggest. Um, thing that we worry about or I worry about going into deployment. How would she answer that question? I think that she, I think she's excited for it either way. She, she's going to be busy. So, and for her, that's a big part of it on the deployment season. It's like, what am I going to be doing so that I'm not, you know, sitting here, you know, she has her own hobbies, but also, uh, you know, like we don't have any kids. We, we have two cats. So, uh, what it, you know, how to stay busy and, and you know, handle not being able to talk to each other very often. Are the cats going to miss you? I think so. I think uh, my big cat Atticus, he loves to cuddle. So, well, and he mostly loves to cuddle with me, well, not Cleo. That's so, going to be tough. Yeah. Hard adjustment. Okay. We, we do try to do a lot of work on the military side, taking good care of our, our families. And you mentioned you know, her getting ready for you being gone and you getting ready to be gone kind of involves that hey, if my wife reaches out, what kind of family support structure um, do you feel most connected with when it comes to your maintenance group and your shop? Well, we're all really good. Um, my coworkers and I, we're all very good friends, I want to say, on the outside of work as well uh, as in, in work. So um, uh, one of our one of the coworkers will host a get together every couple of months at someone's house. So they all kind of know each other very well. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like anyone can reach out and ask for, you know, help or, or just, um, you know, whatever their needs might be. Yeah. It's nice to have those relationships with people where you work. Absolutely. Um, speaking of that, I walked into the GAC shop, maybe it was the ComNav shop the other day, and it was uh, just at the tail end of their, their work break. And there was this game that I didn't completely understand, and you kind of admitted you're kind of a gamer nerd. I did that in the initial intro. Yeah. What got you into that? Yeah, so that, that game we were playing is called Magic the Gathering. Honestly, 
I used to have a bunch of cards when I was little, and I hadn't touched them for 15, 16 years. And then I showed up to work, and my supervisor had a bunch of magic cards. And I was like, I have those. I should bring mine back in. So I still had them. And so then, uh, you know, that was a few months ago. So then we all were like, well, let's all spend more money on this fun game and, <laughs> you know, be able to hang out more and interact with each other. So it's it fun. Was, it was great. I mean, the old timers would sit around, drink a cup of coffee and complain about stuff. And, and here you <laughs> yeah. guys were this kind of young shop playing Magic the Gathering. Yep, Magic the Gathering. All right, Absolutely. what's the goal in that? Um, to... Kill your opponents. <laughs> yeah, to bring their life total to zero. So that's pretty much the goal. Bring their life total to zero. Yep. I'm going to write that down yeah. next time I need a euphemism for that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, another, you know, good testament to just the closeness that, you know, you develop these bonds and relationships over the weirdest things. And mm -hmm. the military or Civil Air Patrol or Magic the Gathering is just one of those weird things that we do with it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned it too, because before Magic, it was spades. Played a lot of spades for oh, the, sure. uh, you know, a year before. And then before spades, it was hearts. And before hearts, it was some other card game that was more basic. So we've just been upgrading, um, you know, the level of complexity in the card game. I have no playing, idea so. what would be next. Yeah, I have no idea either, but I can't wait to find out. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do some fast questions. You ready okay. for this? Yep. Elias is one of those people that actually admitted he's listened to the podcast. So he already knows what's in, in yep. store for him. You a cat or a dog person? Cat. Why did Taylor Swift name her fifth album 1989? I'm not that much of a Swifty. I'd have no idea. That's okay. Just her shake birthday? it off. Uh, you're right. It was her birth year. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, best musical show you've seen? I've not seen any in person, but my favorite is actually uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. So Nice. Yeah. How often do you skip leg day? I don't skip leg day. All right. Let's do the time warp again and go yeah. uh, best heavy metal song. Best heavy metal song is going to have to be Beast and the Harlot, Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. I think that's heavy metal. And one of the cadets asked me that, and I was like, okay, we'll see what your answer was yeah, going to yeah. be. What's the first thing you'd buy if you won the lottery? If I won the lottery, the first thing I would buy would be a new car. Be a new truck. It'd be a truck. The right answer was whatever my wife wants. If you could <laughs> eat one food for the rest of your life, Elias, what would it be? Burgers. Good. I would eat a burger. Right Does that on. count as a food? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, historical figure that you most admire? Well, I mentioned Alexander Hamilton before um, because I've been on an Alexander Hamilton kick. So I think I'll just stick with that. I think uh, he's, uh, you know, kind of that American dream uh, figure, and he did a lot for the formation and foundation of our current government. All right. So let's just say you and Sam Adams. Sorry, you and Alexander Hamilton are sitting yeah. around having a sad Ad yeah. Adams beer. Yeah. Good beer. Yeah. Out east there somewhere. You both have a lot of interests in life. I mean, he had a ton. Yeah. So do you. Uh, what would you guys talk about? Well, I think I'd be asking him the questions um, about all of the decision making he, you know, went through to get to, you know, the kind of federal. He's a federalist, right? So, um, ask him what his thought processes were and kind of get him to explain, you know, maybe some of the Federalist Papers, which I haven't read too much of, but the ones I have read just leave me very confused. Uh -huh. So um, 
I think I would just be asking him questions the whole time. And then after that, maybe I'd try to get him to play some, you know, silly game that I enjoy and Magic see if I gathering. can beat him in that, you know, and then say I beat this genius at a game, you know, that he doesn't understand. Yeah, that might so, be really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're right. A lot of stuff in his life to, worth asking questions about. What did his life teach that we could all apply today? Well, I think uh, one thing that is, you know, preached about a lot for, for him or, or is taught, spoken about a lot for him is, you know, the fact that he um, is, he was, was always learning and was always trying to discover new ways of doing things. So I think that those, uh, the mostly the always learning part is the part that I think would be a good, you know, lesson for anyone, uh, for, you know, everyone really is just reading a lot and then trying to, you know, maybe kind of think about how, whatever you're reading, even if it's fictional, just like how it fits into the, the world and how you can move, you know, change your perspective. Sure. What are you going to learn when you're on deployment? I haven't decided that yet. I was thinking about trying to study for a second actuary exam because um, that was my stats and statistics or statistics background was pursuing that. So I was like, I might study for a second one of those. Otherwise, I'll probably listen to some audiobooks about World War One. That's been my latest kick in the history buff realm. Nice. Um, but I think that it's one of those two. Yeah. It, one of the great things about deploying is you kind of get a chance to singularly focus. And sometimes you admitted you're a gym rat. Yes. And yeah. I'm sure you're going to do a ton of working out, yep. but also taking the time to develop your mind and be that lifelong learner. Exactly. A good opportunity to do that. Um, so you mentioned World War One. Are you uh, you're kind of on that kick right now? Yes. All Quiet on the Western Front? Great movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then the um, the Guns of August is what I'm reading through now. It's a very good book about World War One. So, and it it just shares a lot of good perspectives and knowledge that a lot of people, if they've only taken a World War One history class in high school, I guarantee you didn't know half of the things that are in this book because it just talks more about the relationships between a lot of the world leaders at the time, mm -hmm. um, and then gets into the war. So I think that's super interesting. Interesting. Well, Elias, um, the last thing that I learned about you prior to going on here is, and self-admitted closet. Yeah. Yep. Taylor Swift fan. Yes. Did you go to her concert? I did not. Did I was at Encampment during That's the concert. That's right, you were. But I knew multiple people who didn't have to show up that day. They went to the concert. Well, probably well worth it. Yeah. Over, over three hours worth of performing. Yeah. I, I was super jealous. Um, but luckily, I got to experience it all through social media. So all my friends went, and so, you know, I got a clip of every song, I think, on, uh, you know, Instagram Live or whatever. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to try and hit some of these. Our time here is uh, coming to a close. So, uh, Elias, I knew you were trouble when you walked in, but it's been beyond my wildest dreams to have been joined by you. Uh, after the style of these questions, I hope there's no bad blood and you can't just stay I know all too well that it would be one step forward and three steps back if we had to begin again. And although I try to keep the long story short, it would be a fearless move. Elias Straw, you are Mr. Perfectly Fine, and we're out of the woods for this story of us on Beneath the Wing. Our song is, ready for it? Just breathe. This is me trying. This is the end game. Thanks, as always, to Jared Smith and Amy Lovegren. Good luck on your deployment, Elias. Thank you, Chief. You'll always find your way back home.
Appreciate it. I hope <laughs> that after this closing, you and everyone else will join me on the next Beneath the Wing. Thanks, Elias. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chief.